and good evening, everyone. I take this opportunity to welcome everyone who's joining us today, whether you're here in person or online, especially our visitors. We welcome you and thank you for joining us as we venture into the fifth and final installment of our lesson that's entitled, Getting to Know You, God. This final lesson explains the relationship that we have with God. And I'm talking about the relationship that we have with him when we're going through trials, when we're going through troubles, when things are not happening very good for us. Now, if we think back to lesson one several weeks ago, um, when we talked about the purpose of this lesson, what we surmised was that the purpose of this lesson is to help us get a better grip or feeling about who God really is. And when we talk about a better grip or a better feeling about who God really is, we're not talking about just having knowledge of God. We're not talking about uh, the religious rules. We're not talking about church tradition. What we're talking about is getting to know God from both an intellect, from both the intellect and heart, so that he can be present in every aspect of our lives. So with that said, would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we love you. Father, we love you and we thank you so very much for the many blessings that you pour upon us each and every day of our lives. Father, we know that it's a wonderful thing that in the middle of the week, after we've had so many things going on around us during this time frame between Sunday and today, Father, we're thankful for this opportunity that we can join sisters and brothers in the middle of the week, Father, and worship you, to praise you, to honor you, and glorify you, to study your word, Father, as we continue our walk of faith. And Father, may we seek every opportunity to see how our lives fit into your plan, not just for us, but for the world as a whole. Heavenly Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So, with this in mind, and the mindset being getting to know you, God, with this in mind, with this in mind, let us review several aspects, if you will, of God's character and being. Several aspects, four in particular. Aspect number one, God is spirit. And being spirit, God uses male, female, and material objects, if you will, to reveal himself. But when we want to look at the true character of God, if we want to see what it is, look at Christ Jesus, because there it cannot be more clearer. Aspect number two, we learn that the best ways of getting to know God is to imitate God. And how do we go about the business then of imitating God? We separate ourselves to spiritual things, spiritual things like prayer, like worship, like service, like the study of God's word. And number two, we separate ourselves from impurity. And when I talk about impurity, I'm talking about impurity of thought, impurity of word, impurity of deeds. And remember what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Whatever you do, do all, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So with that said, we have to remember one other thing as well, and that is when we talk about God, where does God operate? God operates in that realm of absolute purity, absolute purity. Now, aspect number three, I refer you to Psalms 139, 
when we looked at Psalms 139 a couple of weeks ago, we saw that our relationship with God is a two-way street, if you will. God knows us inside and out, and God wants us to know him as well. And number four, we learn three important things about God, especially things we need to know Oh, okay. when we're in trouble. Now, think about that for a moment. Three things I want to bring out here. God is sometimes silent. God is sometimes silent, but he is never absent. So let's break this down a little bit more. Just because our prayers are not answered does not mean that our prayers are not heard. Number two, just because God does not provide us with, let's say, a reasonable explanation for our troubles does not mean that there is not a reasonable explanation for our troubles. And number three, don't mistake God's silence. Don't mistake God's silence for a lack of love. Do not look at God's silence as a lack of caring. Number second thing I want us to remember here. When we're in trouble, when we're in trouble, we need to let God know about it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems we have as human beings is that we want to tell God about all the good stuff, but we don't want to tell him about the bad and the ugly stuff. So, so the mindset behind this right here is this right here. Sometimes we need to get the hurt out before we can go, go about the business of going on with life. God, our God, encourages us to pour out our hearts, to pour out our souls before him in order to relieve us of the sorrow and pain that we are going through. And number three, God does not say he will answer, but God does promise that he will listen. And the third thing I want us to remember is this right here. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. God uses all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for his own purpose, for his own good. And just like I said, God operates on that, on that, absolute, on that realm of absolute purity. God also operates in the realm of absolute goodness. Number two, he uses events in our lives but not always to serve us and not always to serve us now. And number three, it is not God has a plan for my life, but rather God has a plan and my plan, or rather my life fits into his plan. Give you an example of that, if you will. We're told in the book of Matthew when we read the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'll be with you always. Teaching them to observe all I command you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So God has a plan that none of us will be lost. God has a plan for evangelizing the world. So the question is, as Christians, how do we fit into that plan? How do we fit into that plan? Are we willing to fit into that plan? In this last lesson, I would like like to add one final thought about God and his relationship with us when we're in trouble. And it is this right here. Our God is able. Our God 
is able. So I want to share with you right now several rhetorical questions. I don't want to hear your answer. Keep it to yourself. Communicate it to God. But I just want these rhetorical questions to resonate in our minds and our hearts at this time. Do you really know why your prayers, or do I really know why my prayers are not always effective? Do I really know why sometimes I stay in the same fear? Do I really know why sometimes I stay in the same mess? Do I really know why sometimes I stay in the same sin month in and month out? Well, I think these things happen because we know about God. We know about God. But we don't actually believe what we know about God. And I want to share two examples with you about that. Remember John the baptizer when he was baptizing under Jordan and he saw Christ Jesus coming? So behold, the Lamb of God. Okay? He says, I am not worthy to loose the sandals, the strap of his sandals. And then when John found himself in jail, what did he tell his disciples to do? He said, I want you to go to him and ask him the million dollar question. Are you the one or do we seek another? And Christ Jesus' answers was quite simple. Tell John what you see. Go and tell John what you saw here. Now, another example I want to share with you, and it's a good example as well, has come from the book of Numbers. I mean, you get a book of Numbers, chapter 11, I'm sorry. The book of Numbers, chapter 11, where the Israelites were complaining about their diet. Remember, they were on manna about this time, and they were longing for the good stuff from Egypt, mainly the meat that they were missing out on that, that they were used to getting. Now, in this account, in this account, Moses pleads with God, and this is interesting here. He pleads with God knowing that the Lord can do something here. He knew he could do something. And in verses uh, 19 and 20, God tells Moses this right here, that he will supply them not meat for a month, I mean for a meal, but meat for the entire month. And Moses' response, when we look at verses 21 and 22, Moses' response demonstrates this right here. He demonstrated that he knew about God. And then come the clicker. He also demonstrated he did not believe what he knew about God. Do we find ourselves there sometimes? Yeah, I know God. I know God. I know God. But when we pray to God, we're praying to God like, but I'm not sure he can help me. This is how Moses was coming across here. Moses acknowledged now, just like John the baptizer did, Moses acknowledged way before this event right here that he knew that God was all-powerful. He even acknowledged that he worshipped this all-powerful God. But now that God said what he was going to do, Moses doubted what he knew. We look at God's answer to Moses in verse 23, Numbers 11 and verse 23. The Bible there says, the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. So what was God done doing here? God was challenging Moses. He was challenging Moses to believe what, he, what, what Moses knew about God. Now, you think about us for a minute. 
Think about us for a minute. We human beings, right? <laughs> Regardless of how long and how short our lives are, we human beings, we spend a lifetime storing up information about God. How do we go about doing this? We go to Sunday school starting young, and, and even as we get older, we come to the Sunday adult classes. We come to these Wednesday classes like this and so forth. We have the retreats, the latest retreat, the men's retreat, the youth forums or the youth retreats, if you will. We go to gospel meetings, we go to lectureships, we have VBSs, we have Bible readers, we have church attendance. But when trouble comes, when trouble comes, we refuse to believe what we have learned about this God we say we know so well. The result is that, the result is that We pray with knowledge that God hears me. I'm praying with this knowledge that God hears me. But check this out. I'm also praying. I'm also praying without the conviction that God can help me. And that's interesting itself. The result is that without this conviction in our hearts and in our minds God is not going to be able to help me Mike Cope in his book One Holy Hunger he he says that the answer to this dilemma of knowledge and faith is to understand three things number one God is able if I am willing God is able if I am willing. And I want to stop there for a minute. I'm gonna, I'm, you know me, I like sidebars. And, and I remember, I think I've been a Christian probably, this would have been about 1989. And, and I surprised Tony one day. Even I remember something he said way back then. <laughs> but I remember Bill Clary was preaching, and he gave this illustration about this guy. And, and the illustration went like this. The... Um, the on the radio on tv the newspaper everything people going around telling people the rain is coming it's going to be a bad flood you people need to move to higher ground and the guy's response was the lord will provide so the rain came the water rose now the water's up to his porch and the guy came by on a boat you need to get in the boat the water is rising he said the lord will provide the rain continued. The waters continued to rise. Now he's on the roof. A helicopter come by. You need to get in the helicopter. The Lord will provide. Well, the water kept rising. He drowned. And the way the story goes, he finds himself at the pearly gate, and he's talking to St. Peter, and he said, God didn't come through for me. And St. Peter, <laughs> let me see. You got, God sent someone to tell you that this was going to happen. Then God sent you a boat, and then God sent you a helicopter. What more was he supposed to do? And that's the way we get sometimes. We say, God is not willing. It's not God that's not willing. It's we're the ones that's not willing. God is able. The problem is we are not always willing. So the question again, God is able. Uh, The statement is, God is able if we are willing. Number two, God provides the power to provide 
the willingness to believe. And number three, with every increment of faith, every increment of faith, God reveals another measure of his power. Paul talks about this connection in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the Bible reads, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory? Uh, back up. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. In this verse, Paul prays that God would give the Ephesians Christians. I back up. In this verse, Paul prays that the Christians at Icarus Church of Christ in 2023, he prays for enlightenment for us so that we will be able to understand two things. Just like he wanted the Ephesians back then in the first century to understand this, he wants us today in 2023 here on the Bar Road at Anchorage Church of Christ here on Wednesday night, he wants us to understand these two things as well. He wants us, first of all, to understand the blessings that await those who are Christians. And what are those blessings? Resurrection, glorification, exaltation. Also, he wants us to understand the power that is available to guarantee those blessings. And what is this power? The unlimited power of God. Note that at the end of verse 19, Paul says that these revelations, these revelations are made to those who believe. Made to those who believe. This is why people who, who do not believe in God, people who do not see God. This is why he is hidden from them. He is hidden from them because of this disbelief. What is so plain to others, what is so plain to others escapes the notice of those who disbelieve. And why is that? Because they are completely ignorant of him or they refuse to believe what they know about him. But you know, regardless of the reason, regardless of the reason, the net result is the same, and the net result being blindness. Blindness. But the opposite is also true. If we are willing to believe what we know, that belief will translate into some things. It will translate into greater knowledge, which will in turn produce greater faith. And the net result, the net result will not be greater knowledge. Rather, would not only be greater knowledge, but the blessings that come with the greater knowledge of God. And what are those blessings? Peace, confidence, joy, power, love, hope, etc. When we read the Bible, especially especially the passages where God is doing great things, it seems that he is always doing something good for somebody else. Look what he did for Josh. Look what he did for Sister Sarah. Look what he did for Barbara. Wow. 
What has he done for me? That's the way we tend to look at things sometimes. But I think our problem is that we sometimes lack the willingness to believe that this great, this all-powerful, all-knowing God would do something just for me. Try the prison ministry. You come across a lot of guys that will say that God will not forgive me. God will not do this for me. I don't deserve this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? In order to build both our knowledge and our faith, I want to share with you two things that God can do and will do. Now, here I say for you, but I'm going to get personal again. I like to do that, too. I'm going to take the you out and say me, as if each one of us is making this comment here. You see, God can deal with anything I bring to him. God can deal with anything I bring to him. He can deal successfully with all of my hopes, with all of my fears, with all of my illnesses, with all of my failures, with all of my sins, with all of my doubts, with all of my plans, activities, and troubles. God can deal with them, and he doesn't even break a sweat. Think back. Think back over all you know about God. Was there ever a problem? Was there ever a situation, and be honest here, where God did not answer, I did not know how to answer? So the question again is this. For individuals that would say, God can't because I've done this and I've done that because of this and that right there, what makes your problem so special? What makes your problem so difficult? Or better still, what makes you so special? What makes you so special that God can't do anything for you? A lost sinner is a lost sinner. Let's think about that. A lost sinner is a lost sinner. Sin is sin, period. And there's no such thing as your sin is worse than mine and my sin is worse than yours. It just doesn't work that way. None of the the people God dealt with ever expected him to answer their prayer in the way that he did and that's the problem like we said a few weeks ago sometimes we pray to God and we tell God this is the problem and this is the solution instead of just pouring out the problem to God and letting God come up with the solution we're going to tell him what the solution is going to be give you an example of that Moses wanted to lead an insurrection in Egypt now Moses did have to go to Egypt (laughs) And he had to bring some people out of Egypt. And instead of leading an insurrection in Egypt, Moses spent 40 years leading people in the wilderness. Paul wanted to preach to the Gentiles. Paul ended up in prison. Do we doubt? Do we doubt that God knows what he is doing? Do we doubt that God cares? Do we think God has the ability to succeed in his overall plan, even even as his plan is not our plan, even as the timing of his plan is not along with the timing the way we would see it. I want it now. I want it yesterday. I don't want it tomorrow or next week or next month. So, but uh, this here I want to say, 
Let us keep believing. Let us keep believing. Let us keep believing. Even when our prayers are not answered in the way that we want and at the time that we expect. Perhaps what God wants is our faith. Perhaps what God wants is our continued prayers. And when did he want them? Yeah, he wanted them in the times of good, but he wanted them in the times of great odds. When I say the times of great odds, I'm talking about the bad and it gets even worse, the ugly. Many times, these accomplish his purpose without our knowledge. And in the end, in the end, it would be his will that counts, not ours. Remember Christ Jesus when he was praying in the garden? He, he asked God, you, you want to take this cup away from me? <laughs> Don't let me stop you. But then he said, not my will be done, but yours. And that's how we need to learn how to pray. Not my will be done, but yours. When my aunt was dying of cancer, and I was praying for her, in the end I was saying, not my will be done, but yours. And I meant that. And the aunt I'm talking about, she was like a sister to me. But it was not my will be done, but God's. Perhaps, perhaps, as we think more about it, we need to realize that God can save me. God can save you. Now, some of us are familiar with baseball. A lot of us probably even played it. A lot of us watch it. But in baseball, the relief pitcher, right, that pitcher is called in to save the game because he is the one that's going to try to maintain that lead while his teammates get more runs or or at least keep the other people from scoring additional runs. But if the team is too far behind, they don't bring in their, their, their ace reliever. They don't even bother using that relief pitcher. They want to save that person for some other time when the game is close on another day. But when we think about our God, our God is the ultimate reliever. He's the ultimate reliever. We are never too far behind in the game of life for him to be called in to win. And Tony, his first year or so here, Tony said this a lot. In the end, with God, we win. We don't lose. We win. The only thing that keeps him out of play is not God. The only thing that keeps God out of play is our refusal to call on him in faith. Our refusal to call on him in faith. Faith to believe. Not just that he will play. By faith we believe that he will win for us. He will win for us. So, in the last few lessons of this short series, we have learned several things about God in order to know him better. And that's the whole mindset behind this lesson, getting to know you, God. The mindset is to get to know God better and not to think or get to the point where we think we know so much about God that we cannot learn anything else. I've said this 101 times here, so let's make it 102. My granddad always taught me this. 
And he was a lot older than I was when he said this. I thought he didn't know what he was talking about. But I got older and realized the man was pretty smart. And he said this to me a lot. Son, it's what you learn after you know everything that counts. So brethren sitting in here, you got this knowledge of God. Great. But it's what you learn after you know everything that counts. And I hope nobody ever sits in here and make that mistake and think, I know it all. This guy in Woods put it in perspective, 92 years old, and he told his lady very clearly when she said to him, it'll take me a lifetime to do what you just did. And he said, it has taken a lifetime. And I'm still learning. 92 years old, a man had been preaching since he was, what, 13, 14 years old. Grew up in a family of elders and preachers. So then, if you remember anything about God, remember that your God my God, remember that he is able if I am willing. And with this in mind, with this in mind, I ask you to consider the following. Number one, are you willing to believe that God is able to forgive you of any sin you've ever committed? Some people aren't. Some people aren't. And some people are. (laughs) Are you willing? Number two, are you willing to believe that God is able to take you back? Even if you have denied him and been unfaithful. Some people are. And some people aren't. Are you willing to believe that God is able to comfort your hurt? That God is able to give you direction? That God is able to steady your emotions. I do what it takes to help you through one more day. Some people believe that he can. And some people unfortunately think that he can't. But the thing is, is this right here. If you are willing to believe. Then God is able to do these and greater things for you, according to Luke chapter 8 and verse 50. I want to thank you all for joining me at this short series. I have a question, though. Okay. Ah. Oh, yeah, you hold on over there. Okay, here's the question right here. Ah, what is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? What is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? Short answer. Okay. A relationship. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Oh, yes. Danny. Knowing God and knowing about God, if I know about God, maybe that's just my opinion or 
other people's opinion, but not his truth. But if I know God, then I know his truth, different from opinions. Thank you. All right, anyone else? I got a question. Uh, what do you mean by knowing God? I'm kind of turning it around a little bit. What, what, what does that really entail? There's no way we can know the mind of God. Well, we're humans. Tell me how you interpret it. I, I can't. That's what I'm. That's well. That's why I'm asking. We each can, one of us may look at it differently because I know what's in a book. Let me give you a perfect example. I'm going to give you an illustration. If you would ask me, how do I get a 747-400 off the ground, and I'm not a pilot, I can tell you everything you need to do in terms of weight and balance. I can tell you where the flaps need to be for taxi. I can tell you where they need to be for, to, to uh, take off down that runway. I can tell you all of that stuff right there. But I cannot get that airplane off the ground. I know about that 747, but I don't know how to fly it. And so it could be the same with God. Yeah, I know God is great. I know God is powerful. I know God is that. But I don't believe God has the power to do anything that he, that he says he can do. That's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Now, you can differ with that, and that's fine, because that's why I asked this question. So however you feel, what you think, let us have it. I, I can't ex- explain. I, we can know about God by, by the Bible. We can know about God by seeing the world around us. Mm-hmm. But to know God is almost like saying you can know the mind of God, and we can't. Well, early in the lesson, what I said was one way to know God, to go about the business of knowing God, is to imitate God. I didn't say we can be God. Don't get, that, don't, don't get that mixed up at all. What are we told in the word of God? Paul said it very clearly. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. When I studied to be a Christian, the brothers Ray Raymer and Wilbur Wooldrich, who taught Barbara and I, this is what they said. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, are we, are we, are we perfect like Christ? By no means. But it's because of the blood of Christ Jesus we achieve perfection. So I think we have to learn to wrap our minds around things. And see, I don't have a problem personally with saying, I know God, I know about God, and I know what God can do. Because the word of God tells us all that God can do. It's the thing is, do I understand, accept, and believe that, or do I doubt it? Jerry, I'm waiting your next question. No, I don't have one. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh okay. Um, so I want to read, I want to read Job um, 42, verses 1 through 6. I think it kind of goes well with the question. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no power has, of thine has been, can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared... That which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here now, I will speak, and I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me. I have heard of thee 
by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore I retract, I repent in dust and ashes. And so I think one of the things about um, knowledge is you can hear about God, but there's something about, it's just as we grow older in life, but once you go through it, then you get to know what really this is all about. And um, if you have no experiences in life where, where you have this relationship with God, uh, as demonstrated in the scriptures, uh, you, you know about him, but you, you definitely don't know him. You've got to go through some stuff to, uh, to really get to know and understand God because it takes it beyond that idea of faith. Faith is, I believe God can do it, but when you go through it, then you say, I know God can do it. And so that's probably what you're talking about. And that's what Job is talking about. Mm-hmm. That before all of his, you know, trials and tribulations and struggles, that's to, mm-hmm. to not make light of what he went through. But before all of that, he says, yeah, I've, I've heard about thee. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, and he was a righteous man, blameless, upright, um, turning away from evil, uh, fearing God. Even God says that. There's not a righteous man like him on the earth. But even Job had to experience Mm-hmm. these things to make that last um, concluding statement about God I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now my eyes see so there's a difference between the two okay thank you I'll jump in Oh, um, the first passage that comes to mind for me is Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 through 10 there where it says uh, that when Christ returns uh, he will in flaming fire with his mighty angels he will in flaming fire take vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel so for us to assume that we cannot know God would mean according to that passage that we're all just lost so the key is wherefore any man speak so let him speak as the oracles of God to the extent that I can say I know God, it is by uh, his word. Okay, thank you. Over here. Just get <laughs> Oh, okay. Mm. Close, right? Yeah, I, I think this passage addresses this question. 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 10. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So, if we are to understand God's thoughts, we have the spirit that we receive from God, and that's how we understand who he is. So I think that addresses the, end, the question about how we know God. Thank you. Is there anyone else? All right. So, again, thank you all for joining me during this series here. Tony, thanks for filling in for me last week. Um, And Tony would be taking over next Wednesday.
and we'll go from there. So uh, I hope you all are able to join us tonight. We will have a devotional starting pretty soon. And uh, again, thank you all for being here.